Good morning. If you've got a Bible, you might want to start turning to the Gospel of John, the Gospel of John chapter 3, a very famous passage in there, John. Uh, John chapter 3, verses 1 to 17. John chapter 3, verses 1 to 17. So if you're a visitor here this morning, good morning. Uh, My name is Raj. We've welcomed you already. Uh, We are in a new sermon series, uh, You're Welcome, it's called. You're Welcome, a church for everyone. And it's based on our God-given values, what we've been calling we values, our we values. We rejoice, we welcome, we inspire, we go together. It's a corporate thing, it's a together thing. More and more when people bump into the church, that's you and me, on a Sunday at playgroup in North Tees Hospital, at Cineworld, at Teesside University, at the Job Centre, in Eshwood Square, at the school gate. He wants this church, Jesus' church, his bride, to be known to be known for these things. We rejoice, we welcome, we inspire, we go, pointing to Jesus. And so in this sermon series, Andy, Andy Colclough has really help, helpfully uh, helped us put together some of these encounters that we've been looking at so far, and we're going to be looking at uh, well into March, these encounters looking at how Jesus welcomed people from all sorts of backgrounds. If you're relatively new to the church, whatever your story, how tragic or how high your experiences have been so far, how scarred or shiny your past has been, let me tell you, you're welcome in this church. Uh, This is a church for everyone. And the great news is this. The great news is this. God, Jesus, accepts us all just as we are. But, but in his great love for us, he doesn't leave us where we are. That's the important thing about the church. He brings about change and truth and growth and healing and hope to such a degree uh, that others around us, your friends, your family, your colleagues, see that you are different. Lives that demand an explanation. And that's the beauty of the church for everyone, Jubilee. Some of you more mature, including me, Maybe, no, I don't know about mature. Mature old-timers. I don't know exactly how Simon phrased that last time, but it caused a lot of upset. No. (laughs) Go, go, Simon. He is maturing. He's growing in... No. (laughs) Um, Some of you mature old-timers, listen. God is bringing new people for you to to befriend and for them to befriend you and for them to take you on the journey further with Jesus. New people do that, okay? So I just want to encourage you, make friends, befriend people, welcome people. Um, It's for all of us. So let's read anyway. Uh, uh, John chapter 3, verses 1 to 17. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council, He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. Almost there, he was God. For no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born again when they are all, Nicodemus asked, Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. 
Jesus answered, Very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again, Nicodemus. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and do not understand these things. Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know and we testify uh, what we have seen, but still you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one, and I'm just going to slightly abbreviate it, but no one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. He must, he must be lifted up, Jesus, so that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. And then to 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. That's God's word. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are good. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for uh, this morning. I thank you, Lord, for the hands lifted, the prayers, the hearts singing. I thank you for our children, Lord God, that they can come to a place uh, on a Sunday and belong, that they can go out afterwards and grow in you. I thank you, Lord, that we're a church of many tribes and tongues and languages and faces. I thank you, Lord God, that we love each other and more and more we're seeing new people in this church. You are growing this church. You are building your kingdom. And I thank you, Lord, that you are good. We continue to praise you this morning. Amen. So this is a very famous conversation. Many of you will have heard it before. Recorded in John's Gospel alone. It's the only place it's, uh, uh, it's, it's described. And it's describing the miracle of becoming, becoming a Christian, new birth. It's where the term born again originates from the very lips of Jesus. But what's particularly important is that it contradicts the thinking of Jesus' day. It contradicts the thinking of our day, actually. Why? Because it's saying, listen, it's saying the joy news of Jesus, Christianity, is not just a list of do-its. It's not just a way of life described in a book. It's actually a life-saving, life-giving relationship with God himself. And it is open to all who seek him, even the most unlikely, far, far away, Nicodemus. Let me explain. See verse 3? Jesus says to Nicodemus, Very truly I tell you, Nicodemus, no one, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Verse 7, you must be born again, Nicodemus. It's crystal clear. Question, what comes to mind when you hear the term born again Christian? Often when I ask my friends not in the church about born again Christians, they think, oh, that's their response. 
Uh, I remember at medical school listening to a conversation about a girl called Rosie and how some of the guys were saying, she doesn't drink, she doesn't smoke, she doesn't swear, she doesn't sleep around, she must be a born-again Christian. Oh, that's what they said. Um, I wasn't a Christian then, but as an aside, ten years later, I remember meeting Rosie's friend at the last Stonely. Uh, in 2001, telling me how they had been praying for me for five years that I would come to know Jesus in medical school. And I met her quite a few number of years later. In fact, when it comes, that's an aside, but when it comes to picturing a born-again Christian, I think there are basically two perceptions that the world out there has. Firstly, it's those who need, who need strict moral structures because they'd fall apart otherwise. They rely on the rules, uh, they rely on rules, if you like, and regulations and morality to boost their importance. That's the first, that's the kind of the first picture. The other picture, however, is, is more of someone who, say, needs the emotional outlet of religion or Christianity to kind of psychologically help help them along. They're a bit more emotionally expressive. Broken people maybe, convicts and drug addicts, or the insecure or the desperate. Maybe the more excitable, sandal-wearing, flag-swinging, tambourine bashers. You're included too. That's who most of my friends... You really ought to meet some of my friends. That's who most of my friends would picture to be born-again Christians. In fact, it's what they think you lot alike. Be encouraged. Um, and by the way, when it comes to the polls, when asked the question, would you like to live next door to a born-again Christian, 70% of people said, no way. Think about that when you uh, say hello to Deirdre over the fence tomorrow morning. Um, but, 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 despite people's incorrect perceptions despite people's perceptions of what they think a born-again Christian is, do you see the problem with these two ideas, these two caricatures, if you like, of a born-again Christian? The problem is in this very passage. The problem is actually Nicodemus. Because who's he? Who's he? He doesn't fall into either of these camps. You see, Nicodemus was considered by most people in his time as a very important. He was rich. He was a wise man. Jesus refers to him in this passage as Israel's teacher, which means PhD, Cambridge graduate, you know. He was a Pharisee. He was very religiously, morally upright. He was, a, he, was, he was the person to know of the day, planting synagogues across the country, unpacking the Bible of the time, praying for the nation, outwardly generous, winning the hearts of common people. If you were around then, you'd have liked him. One commentary reads, this, reads like this, There could be few Jews, if any, in the entire city that night whose credentials were more impressive than Nicodemus as far as acceptance with God was concerned. Yet, Jesus tells him he needs to be born again. And listen, that shocked me. And listen, if that shocks you or has shocked you, he's saying the same thing to you. 
Most of the people I tend to meet don't see themselves as needing God. They're relatively okay financially. They're so-called successful in life. They feel that they've done okay on their own. They like what's going on with what's going on in the church when I talk about it with what's going on um, in the different settings of the church. But they feel they're above the church. They don't need Jesus. And God spoke to me through another encounter in the Bible, a similar encounter uh, to this, um, where a rich young ruler came to ask Jesus the very same question that Nicodemus asked. Uh, how can I enter the ki- uh, kingdom of God? And Jesus looked at him in love and answered, are you prepared, prepared, paraphrase, are you prepared to sacrifice your greatest security, your greatest idol, your greatest joy for this rich young ruler? It was his money, it was his wealth, it was his status. And replace it with following me, Jesus. In the case of the rich young man, rich young ruler, he said no. He walked away grieved, the Bible says. And when Jesus is giving feedback after this event to his disciples, he, says, he said, and this is what spoke to me, how hard is it for the rich to enter the kingdom of God? It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. In fact, the disciples were so shocked by what Jesus said. He, he asked, they asked Jesus, who then can be saved if it can't be Nicodemus, if it can't be this rich young ruler? And Jesus looked at them and said, With man this is impossible. You cannot save yourself, but not with God. All things are possible with God. That's a fascinating encounter. And as a family, you know, through this camel's picture, I feel we, as a family, we feel very stirred to find those camels amongst where we live and work and have influence and share the joy news of Jesus with them in deed and conversation and prayer. It's hard. Camels, camels don't go through needles very easily. But listen, listen, I'm encouraged. Because nothing is impossible for God. I believe that. I believe that. So back to the story, clearly. Uh, Clearly by now, Nick is confused. What does he say in verse 4? How can someone be born again when when they're old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they can't enter in a second time and be born again. Ladies, don't think about that. He's saying... He's saying delivering Jonathan Knight, for instance, the first time was hard enough. What about doing it all again now? Gosh. So Jesus goes on to tell Nick, we'll call him Nick for a while, goes on to tell Nicodemus what being a born again actually looks like. Where does it come from? It's not just, as Nicodemus was thinking, an extra little nudge from God as he was expecting. No, he says, you need to be a totally new, different kind of something, someone uh, altogether. Even if, even, especially you, you need to start all over. If I had an apple tree and I wanted to produce pears, just watering it and feeding it more and more wouldn't work. No, it needs totally replanting. This is what um, Jesus is saying to Nicodemus. He needs to be born again. 
Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and of the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to the Spirit. Right now, to help me, I'm gonna, I would like to welcome on Ben Watts, if you can give him a big hoo-ha. Uh, he's going uh, to unpack this a little bit for us in terms of his story, being born again. Right, so I'm going to start my story from New Day 2014, which was my first one. Although, you know, although I technically said the big prayer, as it were, when I was six, I don't think, like, at that point, I really grasped what I was saying, like, what this faith was. So, in light of this, I recommitted at that New Day. Uh, fully knowing what it meant and understanding the reasoning behind my decision. Now, at the same time as me, my good friend Milad uh, also made this decision and we both got given a youth Bible when we got back to the marquee. And I remember we stayed up reading until about midnight. I know, mental. Uh, now I'd love to say I kept that up, but unfortunately I didn't. Sorry, Mum. Uh, and in fact, after a few weeks of being home, my faith dwindled and I kind of began to fall back into old habits. However, this, this didn't change what I felt inside. God had started a fire in me. And, uh, but, you know, it's, it's been burning ever since. It's helping me grow in confidence and in my faith. I mean, obviously, and my mum will vouch for this, I did amazing in school. Never got a detention, straight A's in my exams. My English teacher even wrote a song about me. Uh, no, I'm joking. Actually, secondary school was quite tough for me. Uh, up until about year 10. I was actually a little bit bullied. I know, the ginger kid with glasses and braces getting bullied. I can see the shock on your faces. But the thing is, it didn't really feel like it. You know, one of the consequences of bullying is a constant feeling that no one loves you, that you have no friends. But I think because of my faith, I knew that I had a friend in heaven who trumps all others. I, had, I knew I had a friend who died for me, and that got me through. You know, Clearly, unlike Nicodemus, I wasn't following all these rules. I wasn't reading my Bible daily. I wasn't praying every night. I certainly wasn't planting churches. And, you know, to this day, I still struggle with those things. I mean, clearly I haven't planted any churches because, believe me, you would all know. But that doesn't make me a bad Christian, as some would have you believe. Jesus is the cornerstone of the Christian faith. And so belief in him being the son of God and light of the world, that's what makes you a Christian. And on top of this, the knowledge that he is the only one good enough to make it to heaven on merit sets you free. As it says in Romans 3:23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Well, I don't mean to be rude, but none of us are good enough. Following these rules doesn't make you worthy of a place alongside God. Being a Nicodemus doesn't put you above those who don't follow the rules. No. The only thing that gets you to heaven is believing that Jesus is the Son of God, who came to die for you and me, so that we can have eternal life. You have to change the inside, what you truly believe, to change the outside, the person that you present to the world, not vice versa. And the only way to do that is to be born again. Although being born again is an instant action, you know, it's not a gradual thing. The process after that of becoming more holy, more like Jesus, takes a long time. It's actually impossible to achieve on this earth. However, this process isn't about following rules. It's a slow process, but it requires repentance. But believe me, you get a lot more out than you put in. 
I still have a long way to go. But I know I've made progress in the last few years, despite not following the rules straight from the book. For example, if you go back even a year, I was slightly embarrassed about my faith. If someone ever asked me what I was doing on Sunday, my answer would always be nothing. And if anyone ever asked me what I believed, I kind of meekly say that I was a Christian and then look to change the subject. Now, whilst I'm not one of those tambourine bashers Raj mentioned, I no longer shy away from questions about my faith. And when they ask, I tell people that I'm at church on Sunday. You know, the whole Christian faith relies upon the necessity of being born again. Because without it, we're unclean, split off from God, in the wilderness. However, if we are born again, we can enter God's kingdom with assured steps and knowledge that we belong. Thank you. Woo! Well done. We have a preacher among, a new preacher amongst us. What? God changes on the inside, which affects our outside. I think that's very insightful, Ben. New birth, being born again, is about a person, God the Holy Spirit, flooding your life, drenching your very being. Um, captivating your heart, strength, soul, and mind. To be filled with God, the Holy Spirit, is to have your whole life, that's what Jesus is saying to Nicodemus, your whole life transformed by an acute awareness, consciousness of the glorious person that chooses to live permanently in the four walls of your life. And my question is, as we um, uh, come to the final bit, is are you aware of him? Are you aware of this God, our God, the Holy Spirit in your life? Um, Romans 8.11 said, If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead, and He did, um, is living in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who lives in you now. As Ginny Bergen shared, for those of you who were at um, Devoted 2019, specifically mentioning Teesside, actually, she was referring to the story of how a town in Derbyshire was evacuated after the partial collapse of Toddbrook Reservoir, the dam there. And she said they were, she was describing what was happening in that crisis, they were desperately trying to repair the dam and haul back the water. But in God's kingdom, that's not meant to happen. In God's kingdom, the dam wall is about to burst and we are not to evacuate out of its path, but to get right in there, to get in what God is doing right now, to get in the waters that will change the landscape completely, the waters that will drench every available space. So briefly to end, I want to unpack this important relationship um, we have with God the Holy Spirit. It's going to be a, a series of lists, basically. But I just feel that God wants to, particularly for new people, for those people who've relatively come through um, Alpha, but also for all of us, we want to know how God the Holy Spirit makes a difference. So what does he do? Seminar 101, quick fire. Firstly, he calls us to a new identity in Christ. Ephesians 1.5 says, He chose us, you and me, to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure. You bring him pleasure and will. We're not God's enemies anymore. We're his sons and daughters. He's not our boss. He's our father. That's our starting point. 
accepted, cherished, loved. Our relationship with God, Jubilee, right from the starting line, is secure and confident, and it continues that way throughout our life. Do you know right deep down here that you are loved first and foremost? Secondly, he empowers us. Later on in John 14, Jesus says uh, that after he's dead and risen again, he says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The Spirit of truth, Jesus calls him. God the Holy Spirit. God the Holy Spirit, you see, comes right alongside us. He stands by you and me. That's what an advocate does. But he also changes you. What are, uh, what are you doing this for? Stop that. He challenges you. This advocate, this helper, he sometimes is for you, against you. We're never alone, whatever situations or decisions we face. Are you in the habit of going to him first every time? God the Holy Spirit reminds us of Jesus. Jesus' love, especially His death and resurrection, the cross, as one commentator put it like this, God's love could not be greater for His love gift to you and me is His most precious possession, His one eternally beloved Son. He could not love you more than that. Listen, Jesus Christ was up on that cross hurting, bleeding, dying, looking down on the people forsaking him, denying him, betraying him. And in the greatest act of love in the universe, he stayed for you, for me. God the Holy Spirit makes our Bible reading move from just understanding and knowledge to delighting, from just uh, a whole load of written prose to love letters what he does. Colossians 3.16 says, let the message of Christ dwell in you richly. Are you opening up and, div and diving into God's treasure trove, of the Bible regularly? He wants you to read his God-breathed word that sings of his love to you daily. Is that how you see it? As temples where God the Holy Spirit chooses to live, we become the greatest faith-filled prayers as we've Briefly done this morning. Why? Because God is with us. Romans 8 says, God's Spirit is right alongside, helping us along. If we don't know how to pray or what to pray, it doesn't matter. He does our praying in and for us. He knows us far better than we know ourselves and keeps us present before God. God's Spirit challenges us challenges our character and brings about a holiness that we never thought was possible. Galatians 5.22, love, joy, peace, patience, kind-heartedness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These attributes are what God is needing into us like dough more and more, sometimes in the midst of conflict and confusion and setbacks and suffering, certainly in the context of community. He's working in and through you. He's mysterious, don't you know? That's what uh, Jesus is saying. But his effects are 
palpable. You can feel them like the wind. Jesus, said, Jesus says in, first, uh, in uh, verse 8, doesn't he? Storm Dennis, storm Jorge blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is, ev- so it is with everyone born of the Spirit. As Spirit-filled, born-again Christians, you will be sent as messengers with power. This supernatural new life transformation isn't just for you. It's God's love gift to humanity. And he chooses you, as Karen demonstrated one Sunday, he chooses you to be his envelopes or envelopes, depending on which part of Teesside you live. We are missionaries to the nations, to our streets, to our schools and universities, to our workplaces, to our friends, to our families, to our kids. 2 Corinthians 3.17 says, Jubilee, or it doesn't say Jubilee, Jubilee, we, you, are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is Spirit. He's a person. We have relationship with him. He changes us. Listen, the message to Nicodemus is the message to all of us. Religion gets you nowhere. Religion destroys your heart. Religion stinks. But grace, the unconditional love of God, the free friendship of Jesus, the indwelling breath of life and joy into us, Religion can never, ever do anything like that. Only the gospel of God's grace can do that. In John 19.39, we're going to close now. In John 19.39, Joseph of Arimathea, we sang it in a song earlier, Joseph of Arimathea was accompanied by this very Nicodemus in giving Jesus a traditional Jewish burial. Nicodemus, it says, brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds, it says. They were on, to, on their way to um, uh, deal with Jesus' body. You know what? In Jesus' time, for such men of high standing to dress a rotting dead body, risking his life in the name of Jesus, when tensions were very high, people were being killed, um, would have been the last thing anyone would have expected unless, unless something had changed in Nicodemus's heart. I believe Nicodemus, against all odds, was born again. Nothing is impossible with God. See the final verses? On the cross, the Son of Man, God himself was lifted, lifted up so that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. He took the penalty and the death that my sin, your sin, should have landed on us. And here, and here's the most famous verse in the Bible. This is where it comes from. This is the conversation where it comes from. But God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever you are, Nicodemus or the woman at the well, whoever you are, um, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world through religion and rules, but to save the world through him. His death, his, his life, his death, his resurrection. The grace giver, the rescuer, the Lord of lords, the King of kings. 
think we're going to end there. I'm, we're not going to end with a song. I just want to pray. Okay, I just want to pray that we would encounter God now. You don't need lots of music and whatever, although that's good. And by the way, I don't have anything against tambourine brushes, by the way, or flag, flag wavers. I like that kind of thing. In case you got the wrong message, let's pray. Yeah, thank you, Lord Jesus. I thank you, Lord, that you died and you rose again. That in your justice and in your love for us, you took on everything that was due for us. Sin leads to death. But you took that on the cross. And I thank you, Lord, that you have set us free. The chains have fallen off. As we see in Alpha, week in, week out, people are seeing you for who you really are. As we're seeing through Open Door, through the football team, through Sparklers, through lots of different areas, through Food Bank, you are the God who makes a difference. And I pray, Holy Spirit, right now, would you fall upon us? Would you fill us afresh? We can't do any of this without you. And we want to do it in the joy of the Lord. We want that to be our strength. Not running around on one of those, you know, wheels that, you know, animals run around on. I pray, Lord God, that this joy comes from knowing you, being filled with you, you dwelling in us. And that through that fruit, as we trust you, that more and more people will come to know Jesus. Those people we've been praying for years. Those communities we've been working at relationally for years and praying for. For those guys who are on Alpha right now. For the guys we serve in different settings. Lord Jesus, have your way. And use us. What a privilege. What a privilege. We ask for your power and presence in Jesus' name. Amen. Well done, everybody. Um, so.